This is the Voice Podcast Network. Welcome to our very first episode of the Turf and Burn Podcast. Yay! We're here with me, Caroline, um, and we have my co-host, Dylan. And a little bit about us, since it's our very first episode, is a little bit about our sports background is I'm Caroline, I'm from Houston, Um, I've been a lifelong Rockets and Astros fan growing up, and I'm also very into hockey because I played ice hockey um, throughout high school. So those are my main sports, and I've also recently gotten into Formula One. And I'm a sophomore at Georgetown, majoring in global business. So I am Dylan. I'm basically the opposite from New York, which means I'm a huge <laughs> Mets fan. I'm a huge Islanders fan. And then to continue with the orange and blue theme, I'm also a Miami Dolphins fan. Caroline is trying to convince me to get into <laughs> F1, so we're trying there. Absolutely zero basketball knowledge happening here either. But right. if you need anything involving baseball, hockey, a little bit of football, Formula One, I think we've got you covered on this. And as a plug for Dylan's <laughs> podcast... Dylan, would you like to introduce it? So it is Side Retired Podcast. It is an exclusively baseball podcast, although we're starting to branch out a little bit. Um, We basically interview one professional around the baseball or sports industry each week to get their cool perspectives on the game. So check that out if you're a huge baseball fan. And that is how Dylan and I first got into podcasting together is that he so generously invited me to come on to talk about the Astros winning the World Series a couple months ago. So that's how this all started. Um, But just as a breakdown of what our podcast is going to be talking about, we're going to be discussing all the current headlines of sports. Like we mentioned, we're going to do baseball, hockey, football, Formula One, and maybe an occasional basketball tidbit thrown in there. Um, So let's start straight off going into the NHL playoffs. So Dylan, why don't you start off with your favorite team, the New York Islanders? So technically a little bit of a look behind the curtain. We had previously recorded our first episode, but we're redoing that first episode. And I think when we did that episode a couple days ago, I was very negative about the New York Islanders. I said they're not making the playoffs. He was so negative. Things are looking grim. I think at that point, I think someone had recently gotten injured, but it wasn't like officially an injury yet, but it was just negative Dylan. I know we already do have Matt Barzell out with an injury. And there was the scare last night with Brock Nelson. But now when we're sitting here on Thursday, March 23rd, the New York Islanders have the first wild card spot. That game gap that did exist when we last recorded, where I think the Islanders were three or four games ahead of everyone else in games played, has now basically caught up, and everyone in the race is really in that 71-72, and the Islanders are in a really good spot. It could be a mixture of the Capitals have really fallen off since we last recorded, or it's also the Islanders have kind of gotten hot. They're 7-2-1 and two and one in their last 10, three-game winning streak. The schedule did get a little bit easier, so maybe that has part to do with it, but... For the first time in a while, I'm feeling confident about one of my sports teams, <laughs> which is a lot considering a Mets fan, we won 101 games and you should be confident, but walking into the playoffs as a Mets fan, you're never confident, but who knows what the Islanders can do in the playoffs. I know if we were to face Boston, we're going to lose, but Whoa. <laughs> like that's just a fact at this point, but I think we got a shot. Here's the thing. I have, even though I'm not an Islanders fan, I... I'm a fan of the Stars and 
the Hurricanes and also love a good underdog, as you'll learn very quickly. Like, I'm really rooting for the Sabres to get in. Like, they could knock the Islanders out for all I care out of their playoff position. But I was, I always believed, I was like, Islanders are making the playoffs, and I fully believe. Like, I think I might actually take Islanders in seven against Bruins if they make it and into the playoffs, which is looking like they will. So I'm not sure where Dylan's negativity is coming from, but someone on this podcast has to has to root for Dylan's teams. <laughs> well, well, I think if you're saying that you root for the Islanders, it's almost a nightly occurrence where, like, Islanders are playing someone. You're like, I love the Islanders, <laughs> but I hope they lose this game because I like this team. It's, I think probably eight of the last ten games they've played and you're like, oh, I like the other team too, which seems like you just like sports teams. But I think right now the way it's lining up, the Islanders, if all things hold, we would face Carolina in round one, which I think you're going to really? admit. Right? Because if Boston's oh, the one yeah. seed, they would play Pittsburgh, which they'll get slaughtered in. Um, and then you'd got Carolina against the Islanders. And I think, do the New York teams face off, that would seem? Or technically New Jersey versus New, Jersey, New York. New Jersey, yes. But Really interesting playoff bracket could yes. shape out. That would be a very fun podcast rivalry because <laughs> I am a diehard Hurricanes fan and Stars fan. So that Hurricane would make... five. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Hurricanes <laughs> in that. But I don't know. Islanders could drop to the um, second wild card spot. And also, we have to see the Panthers are sneaking up on um, Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, I think the Sabres have really fallen off recently, which I'm so sad about. <laughs> Same with the Senators. Really was rooting for Sabres and Senators to get those last two wild card spots. It's not looking good for those two teams. Um, but I'm, I, I'm interested to see how the next 10 or so games play out. And then it's just a dogfight going in into the playoffs. It's also interesting to note that the Penguins, uh, I think, goal differential is negative one, which usually if you were to see that (laughs) and you're going to tell me that they're going to be in a playoff spot that into a season, I wouldn't believe you. But technically still 10 games above 500. They're a solid, scrappy team. I know it looks like their home record, they're 19 and 11. So maybe that's where they're playing well in a home field advantage. Of course, they won't have that in the playoffs at all. But a nice little scrappy team. Could be dangerous, but of course they are suited to face Boston, which with 113 points, we know where that's going. (laughs) And also got to give some love to the Western Conference because we've been very Eastern Conference focused. But I would say this is really just a matchup of no team wants the last (laughs) wildcard spot, apparently. I'm like, the Jets were really on a heater starting the season. Seems like with Rick Bonus in there, new coach, and, like, their captain being stripped of the captaincy in Blank Wheeler. They really started to have a shift in their culture, but they've really fallen off in their last 10. And they're 83 points, so they've gone 5-4-1 and one in their last 10. It's not really coming together, but, like, no one wants it. The Flames are not doing well either, so, like, the Jets have really been holding on to that to that um, wild card spot. And then the Kraken, who were horrible in their inaugural season, have really turned it around, but again, have kind of come down to earth a little bit. And they're at the 85 point mark. So really interested to see the Western Conference because I think those top three teams for both the Central and Pacific divisions are completely set. But I would say this is honestly up for the taking. Like, there's no Boston, there's no Carolina, there's no Maple Leafs. Like, obviously, Avalanche are really good and in trying to be back-to-back champions 
Um, but I honestly don't see a clearer standout in this conference. Well, I think what's really interesting, and this also tells you a lot about sports, in that sports flexibility happens all the time, that we recorded, what was it, a week, a week and a half ago, and we said the teams are set, there's nothing really to worry about, maybe only a 2-3 switch up in the Central, the Pacific teams are set, the one seed in the Central is set, and we have two wild cards, don't even worry about the West, a nice brief little mention. I think as you're mentioning right now, there's a world where Calgary catches up, as you can see, the Central, you're all jumped up in there and everything is basically tied up. I know you initially thought Dallas is running away with it. No one was competing with us. And now all of a sudden you're literally in a points tie right now for the number one seed in the Central Division. So it's really interesting to look at how sports in general, and this is sort of the timeliness of it, that things change really fast. You can be really confident your team one day as you were. And now I'll get your pulse on the stars in a second to see if you're still confident in them being a really dominant team. Versus me on the other end, not confident in the Islanders at all. <laughs> and now a week later, the Brock star is going to carry us into the playoffs. So your thoughts, Dallas, not slipping because you're still 6-3 and three in your last 10, but you no longer have that stronghold over the one seed that you initially thought you'd have. Yeah, well, I think Dallas has really seen a resurgence from their, like, big stars, people that they really need to see. And obviously with Jason Robertson, he's just an emerging star doing great things. But there have been a lot of key injuries once again. For example, Tyler Sagan is once again injured. Um, and Mason Marchman is also injured. But they have Jason or Jake Ottinger, who is an all-star goalie. We saw him play lights out in playoffs in the past. And Jason Robertson can really carry a team. Um, and he's such a skilled forward there. And they also have such a solid decor. But... I do think when it comes to um, the Western Conference, like you just have the Avs that are so dominant. You have Nathan McKinnon. You have Kale McCarr. You have um, – and they've just been dealing with injuries all throughout the season. So that's why they're kind of in that third seed right now. But I really see them making it – making a really deep run into the playoffs. And also – you can never count out the Oilers in the Pacific Division because you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Like, they're just such a dynamic force. They're such a threat every single night. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just, if I needed one person to carry my team, it would be Connor McDavid, which is easy to say because he's, like, the best hockey player in the world. Um, but I would definitely say look for the Oilers to make um, a deep run as well. And then, obviously, the Golden Knights, they didn't make the playoffs last year, which was a big surprise, but their GM is always in go-for-it mode, so um, I'm looking for them to definitely make it far. And I will say, as a transition into what we're going to talk about next, interesting quote from Connor McDavid this past weekend where he's been saying, everyone's been talking about baseball and asking, did you see Otani versus Trout? And that's what hockey's been missing for almost a decade now. It's what we've been asking for in hockey for a long time. It's best on best. And this is him talking about an NHL best on best tournament. And we see that we haven't even gotten NHL players in the Olympics. We haven't gotten it like an, a hockey World Cup with NHL players. So I think this is a great time to talk about the World Baseball Classic that Dylan has really been keeping tabs on. Well, the World Baseball Classic is a really good idea in theory. When you think about it, it's the 20 best countries in the world at baseball. They put all their superstars together. And there's this two-week tournament right before opening day every four years. Obviously, due to COVID, the last one was in 2017, so it got pushed back a little bit. But they reintroduced the topic this spring. And basically how it went is there were 20 countries across the world. 
there was recruiting for the last year or so to construct your team. And then basically this two-week round-robin tournament of these teams, you had countries such as Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, the United States, Japan, um, just really all these baseball countries where you saw players really embrace their culture, their history, and it was really prideful to play for your team. For example, I know Francisco Lindor, who's the New York Mets shortstop, said, I love being a New York Met, but it was almost just as meaningful to play for Team Puerto Rico during the World Baseball Classic. In the end, Japan did play the United States, and of course, if you believe that sports are rigged, this was the ending for you because Shohei Otani was pitching on the mound against Mike Trout in the last inning. Three and two count, Trout representing the tying run, a home run ties the game, a strikeout ends the series, so you're really thinking, doesn't get much better than that. Apparently in Japan, 97% of TVs that were on were tuning into that game. That's the wild. Most in sports history. Wow. So really this was good for baseball to grow the game because I know yeah. there is the rhetoric that football is more popular, basketball is more popular, the World Cup people are getting to that, and baseball is the quote-unquote dying sport. This was a good wake-up call for baseball to realize that we got something here. It's not as good <laughs> as football or as popular as football in America, but there is definitely some attraction to Trout, Otani, Aaron Judge last year, Jacob DeGrom being a dominant pitcher. So there's a lot of attraction for baseball. I yeah. will say, though, some of the team's jerseys did not do them any favors. This is going to be my entire commentary <laughs> for the World Baseball Classic. But Dylan and I were having a laugh about this because originally I only saw Canada's jerseys. And let me tell you, I literally was like, this is horrific. The all red jerseys with the, I was like, what am I seeing? I was like, it looks like tomato sauce is just... <laughs> I'm sure the Italians would not be happy with with the Canadian jerseys. But then Dylan said, Caroline, have you seen Great, Great Britain's Britain. jerseys? And I saw them. And oh no, it literally said no, like negative effort. Mm -hmm. And then he showed me one where, I don't know which player, but was it the T or the I? The T fell off. The T fell off on their jersey, like mid-game. And I was like, I never have I ever seen such poorly made, poorly designed jerseys. Nike, what were you doing? Like, this was Great Britain's, like, was this their first time at the World Baseball I think Classic? It might have been it recently, but yeah, this was. I'm the like, first th big this run. is not what they needed. This, this did not. It grew the game for the wrong reasons. <laughs> so, there is one big question, though, out of the World Baseball Classic that can be applied to other sports. And I'll get your opinion on it because. This does apply to some of your favorite teams as well. Wow. Is that the Mets star pitcher Edwin Diaz was playing in the tournament, uh, was the closer for Team Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico advanced. They won their game. And what do you do when you win a big game in a tournament and you're advancing? You celebrate a little bit. Fair. Little, fair. You know, fair. High fives. Something nice and simple. A good high five I'm good with. Team Puerto Rico decided to dogpile him. And as a result, Edwin Diaz tore his knee and is out for the entirety of the 2024 season, basically eliminating the Mets' star pitcher. Of course, you know where this debate is going. There's now the question <laughs> Justin Verlander for the win! <laughs> but the question is, should you allow your star players to participate in these sort of like, I'm not going to call it a fake tournament, but because it obviously means something to the players, mm -hmm. but you're under contract. The Mets just signed Diaz two months ago to a $100 million contract, and now he's basically out for the entire first season of it. Maybe it's the same thing if, if there's no hockey players in the Olympics. Should baseball players participate in that and just other sports as well? Should these athletes be doing activities 
under contract for their major league team, but now going and participating in other, I guess I'll call it an exhibition tournament. Yeah, I definitely think this is a very hotly debated topic. And I think it honestly really depends on the size of the tournament. Like, mm-hmm. for example, if NHL had allowed, if there wasn't COVID and NHL players were being sent to the Olympics, like the Olympics is once every four years, like World Baseball Classic is a really big, like top talent, like you're going head to head with all the different teams you get to represent your country. And I think that nationalism is even greater, like that pride for your nation is even greater than the team that you play for in the MLB, in the NBA, in the NFL, for example. Um, But I definitely think that is a big concern. And obviously when you're celebrating, that's, to be honest, I really, I don't remember the last time I saw someone get such a severe injury from a celebration. Normally it's from physically playing. Mm -hmm. I think it's in this scenario, I think it's different when you're, when you get injured from, actually playing when you get injured from a celebration that should i if i was a general manager or the coach of the mets i would be so angry like livid um and i would just not allow him to literally partake in any team celebrations or like any future tournaments that don't involve the Mets moving forwards so i i definitely see that because that's an asset where you're paying him money and he's under contract and he's supposed to be playing for you and he was healthy going in, and then he gets this season-ending injury, basically. And there's a big difference between, and I know your guy, Jose Altuve, also got injured in the tournament. He's out for the first two months, but there seems to be a difference in that Altuve got hit by pitch in the hand, and you could argue he could have had the same thing happen at spring training, warming up with the Astros, versus I doubt the Mets are dogpiling after a spring tra- I mean, we're pretty desperate <laughs> for a win, but I don't think we're dogpiling for a spring training game. But Right definitely something to worry about the other topic if you're ready to get into the nfl is our third big sport because free agency has started some trades have happened some trades haven't happened aaron Rodgers exists somewhere he's out of the (laughs) darkness cave wherever you want to go with the nfl take us so (laughs) we can start off with aaron Rodgers coming out of his darkness retreat because originally when he came in he was set on retirement he said, 90%, I'm going to retire. Then he comes back, and we don't. he's in this limbo mode where he wants to play. We don't know if he wants to return to the Packers. We don't know if he wants to get traded. Now it seems pretty set in stone, even though no official trade has been announced, and there is a holdup. It seems like he's pretty set on going to the New York Jets. And Dylan and I had some conflicting opinions about this the, the first time we recorded our podcast, um, but... Now that we officially know, because at the time we didn't know, and I was convinced that this was a bad move for the Jets. I said, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, to me, just seems like he's going to bring a lot of chaos and conflict into a locker room that is already struggling with a lot of personal, and they just don't have it together. And I'm like, Aaron Rodgers, with all of his, you know, quirks, like, you know, what came out about COVID vaccines and his darkness retreats and he just has so much going on personally that I don't know if he is what the Jets need in their locker room. I also don't think they're there in terms of, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to miraculously solve all of their issues. I think he could be helpful and obviously he's won MVP in the past. He has got his team to the Super Bowl. He's won the Super Bowl. But I just don't see it for him anymore. He's an aging player. I I could see him for like one or two years max. But again, I don't see him playing past that. 
I think it's really interesting the parallel that I'm about to make. I think Aaron Rodgers is the Justin Verlander of baseball. Or of Aaron Rodgers is the Justin Verlander of football as Verlander is to really? baseball. Because I think Verlander signed a two-year contract with the Mets, a team that wants to win now, and said, you're old, you've got a Hall of Fame resume, get us to the promised land over these But two he years. doesn't have the same character issues as it's Rodgers does. Very true. Now, you could also make the argument that the Jets last year had Zach Wilson as their quarterback. Right. And <laughs> it can't get much worse than that. Right, right. I don't think the thing with Aaron Rodgers, no one's doubting his ability. Like I, think I am doubting his da- ability. Okay. <laughs> okay, well then that's where we're going to have the disagreement <laughs> until he actually gets on the field. I think Aaron yes. Rodgers is still a top 10 quarterback in the league. And I think give him okay. the weapons that the Jets have. You want a bold prediction? On, you want <laughs> Who a, are the weapons? You want a bold prediction? Yes. I think the Jets make the AFC Conference Finals game. Really? I do. I think wow. we're lining up for the New York Jets to go on a run. They went 7-10 and 10 oh last year. A competent quarterback in the Jets are in the playoffs last year. Aaron Rodgers is not only competent, he's MVP caliber. And I think you give Aaron Rodgers the weapons that the Jets have. Brees Hall is one. Odell Beckham Jr. is coming in soon, too. They got Alan Lazard a couple weeks ago at this point. The Jets are compiling a really good team, considering Robert Sala's in that year three as a coach which tends to usually be the win or you're fired. Yes. So they understand the gravity of this year. And I think the New York Jets, this move had to get done because we're going to talk about in a second the other quarterbacks that can slash were moved, whether that's Lamar, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. Rodgers is better than I, there's, you're, I guarantee you're about to tell me Lamar is better than Aaron Rodgers. But I think Aaron Rodgers is better than all also, three Also, we of can't guys. hate on Derek Carr like that. <laughs> but something that Dylan mentioned last time in our previous episode was that on it, as much as I talk about Aaron Rodgers' character, we saw what happened with Zach Wilson <laughs> and his whole personal life um, literally mid-season yeah. last year. So, honestly, he Aaron Rodgers might be the mentor that... Zach Wilson needs just to like get it together just to be around an NFL pro an NFL pro quarterback to kind of live that life and see the routines and the dedication that is needed from a good very high level very talented even though I'm debating (laughs) um NFL quarterback so like Dylan was saying last time like he could be a good voice in that locker room like and people would respect him because he's Aaron Rodgers so I think in that sense he could be good short term but again I am questioning and doubting his abilities just a little bit he's like don't get me wrong crazy 100 (laughs) percent like if you watch any of his interviews with Pat McAfee that he does every Tuesday, <laughs> insane. Like, some of the things that he just spews out are like, where did that come from? But right. that could be what New York needs. The New York media eats up anything possible. And there's two yes. different ways you can go. You can be the hero or the villain. Justin Verlander, as we just mentioned, comes in parading with Kate Upton, and the media loves him and hero. eats him up. Rogers. Alex Rodriguez <laughs> came in 10 years ago with steroid allegations with demanding that Derek Jeter, the captain of the Yankees, sucked. Villain. Aaron Rodgers comes in, and he can go two different ways. He could come in, and the Jets go 3-15, and 15, or 3-14, and 14, math. Um, and he's obviously the villain. Get rid of him. He's Brett Favre 2.0. But imagine Aaron Rodgers comes to New York, and on the 50th anniversary of the last time, or no, more than 50 years, since the Jets have won a Super Bowl. 
Just wow. saying. Super Bowl like, is a bold prediction. I, I'm going to stop at the AFC championship game yes. because I think they'll face, like, you know, some team like the Bills or the Chiefs or the Bengals. But don't Go sleep Bengals. on an Aaron Rodgers-led New York Jets team. Maybe it's the New Yorker. In I will say, I, I think... I don't think he's going to be, I think he's going to be an upgrade, which the media will love, and I think he just will play into the media. He's just going to say some wild things that the media are just going to run away with and just have a field day with. They're just going to pull out story after story, and they're going to just go go digging into every, they're going to be like, what is the deeper meaning behind this darkness retreat? (laughs) Where they're like, we need to get Aaron Rodgers to like see a psycho, I don't even know. But I think they're going to love that. So honestly, I, I, I think... Aaron Rodgers said New York media might get along really well. But moving on to some other quarterbacks and also winners of losers of free agency, and obviously it's not over yet, but I think we can say that one of the biggest – well, okay, Lamar Jackson hasn't been dealt anywhere yet, but Atlanta Falcons, why are you not getting Lamar Jackson? Why is he not a priority on your to-do list? Well, Rod – or sorry – Shoot, Rodgers still on my head. Lamar Jackson's in a really interesting situation that he's franchise tagged, but it's the open franchise tag, mm-hmm. which basically says the Ravens don't think he can get a better contract anywhere else, so they're inviting all 31 teams to basically offer him a contract, and the Raider, or the Ravens then have the final chance to match it, and then he's stuck with the Ravens for the next upcoming seasons. Or if they say this is a crazy offer, we're not matching that, the team that has to give up two future picks in exchange for him. So, for example, if the Falcons were to offer Lamar a four-year, $200 million contract fully guaranteed, the Ravens could say that's too much. We're not going after that. And as a result, they then get the two picks from the Falcons. It's really interesting how this is going to play out because Lamar is one of the few players that doesn't have an agent in the sport. Right. The rumor is that his mom is negotiating his contract that for him. That never goes well. Um and basically, nobody, we've heard crickets literally for the last week since free agency opened, nobody's offered him a contract. And it's basically now going to be this staring match of Lamar wants guaranteed money because there was the precedent contract with the Browns dis- uh, extending Deshaun Watson, that massive $240 million fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And in Lamar's mind, he's thinking, if Deshaun Watson, with everything that happened to him, got $200 plus million guaranteed, why can't I? It's yeah, fair. That's so fair. <laughs> it just never goes well when you ne- negotiate the contract yourself, especially mm-hmm. because then you hear what all the GMs are saying about you. Like, you hear the really horrible negative sides. But this is a former MVP player. He's only 26. Again, like, that never happens where, a tw- like, such a young MVP quarterback hits free agency. Like, teams don't let people go like that because they are just franchise forming franchise altering players so that's what i'm saying atlanta falcons houston texans houston let's get into this and the falcons have the cap space to give lamar what he wants and all he has to do is all they have to do is give up what is it two first round picks to the ravens Uh, so like just get give him the contract and uh, you guys can turn it around and we've seen this before where there's these teams versus the players staring contests of who's going to mm-hmm. blink first. That could be what this is, but at the same time, Lamar's also made some kind of cryptic quotes or kind of cryptic tweets in the past where it seems like going to be really hard to repair that relationship with the Ravens, but you never know. If all of a sudden, Ravens owner wakes up one day and says, screw it, we got to get our guy back, give him a massive extension, he's our quarterback for life, 
you know, I bet Lamar probably takes that as like, all right, we'll make up. We're all good. But really interesting to see how that scenario plays out because Aaron Rodgers hasn't officially been traded yet. So who knows if all of a sudden that drags on for months and months and months. I believe the the draft probably will be that deadline because the Jets want to get some picks back. Or, sorry, the Packers want to get picks back for Rodgers. So if all of a sudden the Jets realize we're not making any progress there, will there be a pivot to one of those teams? Will someone else swoop in on Aaron Rodgers? Those are two really interesting pieces that people might think Rodgers is a Jet. That's over. Weirder things have happened. You know, it, It's professional sports. We've seen Carlos Correa sign with three teams in a span of three weeks. So Aaron Rodgers is not officially a Jet. Lamar Jackson is, is not officially a Baltimore Raven yet either. Right. But some quarterbacks are official. Derek Carr going to the Saints and also Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Raiders. <laughs> I was like, they switched. I knew it. I was like, okay, what are your thoughts? Well, the NFL always has every offseason, there's this like quarterback carousel of mediocrity. And you're really going to get upset with me when I call Derek Carr <laughs> mediocre. I know. But it just seems like every offseason there's He's a the best of in guys. his conference, though. That's not saying much for <laughs> the division he's in. A Tom Brady list. Um, I even forget who else was in that division last year. But there's a chance the Saints win the division with him. Certainly possible. Who knows if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a team that goes after Lamar Jackson? Just saying. You never know. Um, that would be scary. But, yeah, it's just another one of those, like, solid quarterbacks maybe going to move the needle a little bit. You've heard some other quarterbacks getting moved. Andy Dalton, Dolphins signed Mike White. Cam Newton apparently had a tryout for, like, the 10th time trying to get I know. signed by someone. I know. How is this man still still in the league? <laughs> Yeah, the, the NFL free agency, there's a lot of trades happening, a lot of free agents happening. We're definitely not experts on the NFL. There's probably a lot of people who can break down every single signing out there. But, um, no, a lot of wait and seeing. And with the NFL, there's always – because I remember last offseason, you never know what's going to happen with the NFL more than any other sport. Because the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill, which was arguably their best player last yes. year, other than Patrick Mahomes, of course. And what do they do? They went out and freaking won the whole thing. So exactly. you never know what's happening in the NFL playoffs, the NFL offseason. Things always seem to work their way out. And that's why I'm going to say that Aaron Rodgers was the best move of the offseason if it happens because, you know, I'm still <laughs> I'm dying on that hill. For if people wow. remember one thing from this episode okay. is that the Islanders are making the playoffs, cancel the WBC, and that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is going to lead the Jets to the AFC wow. finals. I will say... I honestly was very surprised that Jimmy Garoppolo mm -hmm. was not a Miami Dolphin. Really? Yes. Interesting. Because Tua needs a backup. True. He has so many concussion issues. I really thought they would have gone in and swooped in. Miami's also a great place to live. Like I feel like they really could have sold him on the team, on the lifestyle. But Well, you know who we're, we're waiting on in Miami. If Tua gets hurt in training camp, there's, there's a, the best not. player of all time wow. is, is living in Miami right now, basically saying... Dylan always makes this joke. The only reason Tom Brady claims that he's retired is because he got a two-month-old cat that's impossible to raise. Now, when you make a $40 cat million, of all dollars, things, you make $40 million a season. It's going to stop like a 40-plus-year-old all-star, all-of-famer, <laughs> like... 
MVP, I, all the accolades, quarterback, a two-month cat. Tom, or Tua gets hurt in the preseason. I bet we're making the phone call and we're seeing what happens. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. Tom Brady happily retired. He did, I believe, gain ownership in the Las Vegas Aces today. I think it was the WNBA, which was definitely making headlines earlier today. Shout out. Good job by Tom Brady. He's staying active in retirement. But, well, retirement with an asterisk. We'll see about that. <laughs> but, no, a nice little Tom Brady update for you there as well. I know. Well, I think that's a good way to segment into our March Madness <laughs> brackets. Because I did the Turf Bird bracket. And, you know, I should not be in charge of making the brackets. Because I had some very, very hot, now very cold takes. So I, so we talked about this before the March Madness tournament came out, but I can update you on how the Turf and Burn bracket <laughs> is going. So number one, one of my first hot takes, was I took Texas A&M Corpus Christi over Alabama. I said Alabama, number one seed, is going to get out in the first round. That has not happened. <laughs> they have, in fact, made it to the Sweet 16. I also, uh, you know, one of my hot takes did really pay off. I said Furman was winning against Virginia. I was very proud of that. Saw that happen in real time. Lots of doubters, but Furman pulled through. But, you know, I had Furman going to the Elite Eight. <laughs> they got out. Round of 32 in the second round. So can't say that was that was a win for me. I also, some of the other, like, some of the other upsets, I did not, in fact, predict happening. Like, I did not predict Princeton, even though Dylan was very high on them. And I also did not predict FDU beating Purdue. So, I, clearly, I took a lot of the, I took the upsets for a lot of incorrect ones, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, And, but, you know, I was a homer with my March Madness brackets as someone from Texas, as y'all know now. I picked lots of Texas teams, so I had Baylor in my final four. I have University of Houston winning it all. Thank goodness they're still in the tournament. Texas, I also was, yeah, I was just very high on all the Texas teams. So I can't say, thank goodness Houston and Texas are both still in. Baylor is no longer in, but. You know, I had to rep Texas somehow. I am unfortunately at a solid 13%. So I know, make fun of me all you will. Oh, sorry, 17%. 17%. That's better. That's better. Um, and then on the women's side, because it's important to talk about <laughs> how poorly our women's bracket is doing, I'm at 33%. Again, the homer in me, I picked a Texas team to win it all. I picked UT. They are unfortunately already out. So that is how that bracket is going. It's going slightly better than I didn't have as many hot takes in that one. Well, I think it's always interesting when you go to March Madness and that when we were sort of thinking how to go through a bracket, you really have to think initially there's going to be an upset. No matter what you're thinking, no matter where you're looking on the bracket, something is going to go wrong. Now, for me, that was when we first talked about it, Princeton. And look at that. They were correct on that prediction. Or we were correct on No, they. We we get to you own just, that one. Just we Dylan. own that one. All right, I was correct on that <laughs> yeah. one. Um, but did I expect them to make it this far? No. But what I do find hysterical, and I don't know if you've seen the videos yet, where um, there's like the videos of the Princeton players doing their math homework on like the Monday, Tuesday, yes! Wednesday when there aren't games, and then you realize like, shoot, they are like 
Princeton's one of the top schools in the le- in the country, and these guys are, like doing math homework on the <laughs> bus in between practices. No disrespect to any other school that's still in it, because there are some great schools like academically, but like. There's no Princeton still in the final. You can't hate on University of Houston like that. Okay, fine. (laughs) But, no, like, to see those guys doing math homework on the buses is really hysterical to see. And we have a great tournament lining up because um, by the time we're recording this, it's Thursday. We're back in the swing of things. It's the weekend slate for the Sweet 16. We'll get into the Elite Eight very soon as well. Um, Potentially by the time this is released. We'll see about the whole timing of everything. We'll check back if you have one prediction for the games that are going to happen this weekend, floor oh, is yours. No. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, let's see. I think, you know, I think Alabama is going to make it to Final Four. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're flipping on that now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I had them going out in the first round. But I think they'll – honestly, Miami has really surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But they're facing Houston. Which means, of course, you know I'm taking Houston. <laughs> I'm going to say Princeton's run ends in the Sweet 16. I know, they've made it so far. I'm going to say Creighton beats them. Then we have Xavier versus Texas. I'm going to take Texas. You know how I feel about Texas. <laughs> and then we also have Gonzaga. Um, and we have Gonzaga and UCLA. And surprisingly, I got this matchup correct. <laughs> Um, and I have Gonzaga winning. So I, here's the thing. I never see Gonzaga making it, like, getting it done. Mm-hmm. I see them getting out in either the Elite Eight or the Final Four. But I see them making it through. And then Kansas State and Michigan are currently playing right now. I also surprisingly had this. <laughs> um, Kansas State is winning. but I Oh, and I also said Kansas State would be winning. And then we have FAU and Tennessee. And I'm going to go Tennessee on that. So right. those are my predictions. I don't have as many hot takes this time because, unfortunately, all of my hot takes are, are except for Princeton, the 15th seed, or, yeah, the 15th seed. There's no no underdogs, really, to root for. <laughs> except for Princeton, which you said no to. But, of yeah. course, we will be, as the Turf and Burn podcast, those yeah. are our predictions. Yes. I'm legally not allowed to make predictions on March <laughs> Madness. Perks yes. of the job, but... Um, so I will echo and agree with all those Thank picks, you. except for Princeton. And UConn and Arkansas. I said that, oh, I did no, say that. we're yeah. out. Yeah, Look I did. Look at weird. Wow. I'm, wow. <laughs> Princeton is coming on strong right now. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, y'all, I fully said Kennesaw State was making it to the Sweet 16, <laughs> and they got out in the first round. I picked the wrong upset. <laughs> so we do have, with our last subject, because we are running short on time, but you do want to get into a little F1 racing. And, of course, your big thing at the end of our first, what we thought was going to be first episode, turns out to be our zeroth episode, is what we can call it. You said get into Formula One. I don't know how I stumbled across this. I'll be honest. I didn't do my homework. Didn't watch any races if there were any this weekend. I don't, I don't even know there if there were. were. Okay. There were. I knew that. Um, but what I did learn, I forget where I learned this. Is that it's yeah, the let's first hear it. Time. Dylan's been keeping this from me, so I want to hear what his F1 news is. Apparently, according to sources, allegedly, this is the first time in history where there's three races in America. Is that oh, correct? No. no. Shoot? Or, oh, you in mean... North, in the United States. Like, there's all three. at once? I don't know. I just heard that this is the first time that there's three races in the U.S. and then there's one in Mexico. And you one are in correct. Canada. That's correct. Sorry, I thought you were saying they're all in one weekend. I was like, what no. are you talking about? Yes. So we have the Austin 
um, Grand Prix, which always love, again, Texas and me. We have um, what's just called, like, the United States Grand Prix, but mm-hmm. this one's... Oh, wait, sorry. That's the one in Texas. We also have the Las Vegas Grand Prix, which is very, very, very exciting. You know um, all the drivers will be hyped for that. And then the Miami Grand Prix. And I said that in the wrong order. It's Miami, so I was correct. Austin, and then Las Vegas. See, I learned something this weekend. You did. You claimed that I wouldn't learn sorry. F1, and I Whoa. can the fact that <laughs> I even take you it didn't know. Um, but yeah, do you have an update for us on F1 or anything that happened in this week's races slash anything to look forward to? I do. So we are now just closing up on our second Grand Prix, our second race of the season. And obviously, no surprise, Red Bull is leading the pack once again. We saw with the Bahrain Grand Prix, Max Verstappen, number one, Sergio Perez, number two. That was flipped for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix with Sergio winning, Max getting second. Very impressed with Max because he came back from the back of the grid to win. But we have a very big surprise front runner, which is Aston Martin, who was, who has really just been like the fifth or sixth team, um, in terms of drivers or constructors championships and drivers championships, like bottom of the pack. And Fernando Alonso, who I've always believed in him because he's been like two time world champion, and I think he still has the skills. He just hasn't had the cars recently, but he's gotten third. So on the podium, two Grand Prix in a row. And surprising to see some other teams that have been at the front of the pack in previous years really drop down. McLaren, for one, we saw the whole fiasco last season or at the start of the season with Oscar Piastri, um, with him not signing, with different teams and then signing with McLaren and then with Daniel Ricardo, then paying him so that he won't race. And then now they're at the complete bottom of the grid. And then also Ferrari kind of needs to get it together because they had a really good car last season and they were really on their way to winning it until their strategy and a lot of other things just ended up going wrong. So they've kind of been in the middle pack. So it'll be interesting. It's still early. Lots of teams are still making lots of adjustments, but I'm excited to see where um, the season will go. But Red Bull at an early lead, which is to be expected. I will pretend like that made sense to you, but I (laughs) promise by the end of, whether it's by the end of summer or if you give me some deadline, that will make sense to me when I do indeed. Why don't we say... Uh Honestly, that was, I feel like the terminology we just talked about was a very quick run through. Mm -hmm. So honestly, okay, I was going to say Miami Grand Prix, which might be a little soon for you. That's May 7th. That's a month away. (laughs) I'll give you till the next Grand Prix, which is the one in Austin, Texas. Let me see what date it is. I'll give you until that one. That one is, okay, wait. That's too far for you. That's October 22nd. I'll do May. I'll figure things out by May. That gives me a solid month to watch. <laughs> we'll give a you a range things. from the Miami Grand Prix to the U.S. the one in Texas Grand Prix. Okay. You, that's from May to October. All right. That's October. I got October. If I don't know this by October, replace me on this podcast for not doing my. Homework. We're shaking on that time. <laughs> but. Of course, if you liked listening to this, we'll be back shortly talking about a bunch of other sports in an upcoming episode following this one. We can't really tell you what we're going to be talking about because it depends on what's happening in the next week or so. So for Dylan and Caroline, unless there's anything else you want to throw in. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you are enjoying our content and we're excited for our next episode.